Welcome everybody to episode 72 of the Metabilis 2 podcast, which features myself, Ben. And David. How are you doing this evening? I'm a little bit discombobulated with the old uh, hour changing there. Yeah. Yeah. I've traveled in time by one hour. Yeah. I don't know how the doctor does it, but uh, certainly even a small amount of time (laughs) travel is Does the doctor sleep? I has he slept? He he's rested his eyes. Yeah, sleep is for tortoises. Sleep is for tortoises. Yeah. Well, I mean, we now know that there is a uh, there is a restroom, toilet, <laughs> lavatory area in the TARDIS. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we know that that function is certainly available to his companions. Whether yes. it's available to him, who knows? Or her? Um, uh, is, is, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to watch. We're gonna have to really watch our pronouns um, come. Uh, Come the new year. Well, I think we'll match whomever the actor is at the time. A good plan. Yes. Good plan. Good plan. Yeah. Um, so we are doing, uh, we're doing some more cliffhangers this week. I think we Yeah, I think we're going to look at the old trout. Five trouts. Five classic yeah. trout hangers to look at. Um, uh, are we going to tackle, maybe tackle a bit of news first? If oh, news. We, we could. Uh, I, I bit the bullet. I... Uh, pre-ordered the blu-ray collections no season 12 you didn't didn't do that i did and i am not going to repeat my mistake and i ordered them i ordered the (laughs) region b i have no way of playing them right now so my my ability to play will have to catch up with my media collection I mean, can you? Because I've always not really bothered with Blu-rays because it's so. It's I, I've been told it's you. It's you're not able. It's not able. You're not able to hack a Blu-ray player so it can play all hmm. regions. Hmm. Are you are you going to try and uh, apply your massive skills to? <laughs> well, let, a, my my plan is as follows. I am going to <laughs> plan. <laughs> I, I'm going to watch on the computer, so I am nice. going. I'm looking at a Blu-ray. Uh, drive for the old Macintosh here, and oh, good, and then potentially look at a way of ripping them directly onto disc and not having to deal with the physical media because physical media is awesome. I love physical media, but it is a pain in day to day existence, and I much rather uh, play off a drive. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm conflicted because um, of course, um, like you, I pretty sure that I have all um, the uh, Doctor Who episodes that are currently extant. Mm-hmm. on dvd i do not have a blu-ray player mm-hmm. and i would have to i think get the british standard ones in which i wouldn't be able to play them i already have them i don't really like the idea of seasons i think seasons is a uh, you know it's a it's a relative it's a new concept for doctor who in my and opinion s- and season 12 is problematic in that the terror of the zygons was held over into season 13 Absolutely. Originally, yeah. originally, it was going to be 
Pyramids of Mars that was held over, I believe. Uh, oh, really? Memory I'd... serves, yes. But okay. then when the BBC moved up the broadcast to the, I think, August or the fall, autumn, right. um, to go head-to-head with Space 1999 and ITV, mm-hmm. they uh, shortened Terror of the Zygons from a six-parter to a four-parter and held that one over to launch season 13. So in my perspective, Terror of the Zygons is the lost story of season 12. Yeah, interesting, of course. Yeah, so as I said, even seasons are a new construct. Um, I mean, I think when you know when Doctor Who was first broadcast, there were no seasons. Doctor Who was basically year round, right? Um, which has nearly killed its first two stars. Um, <laughs> Probably explains why Hartnell started forgetting his lines. Exactly, because there were too damn many of them. Um, and I guess I suppose you know with the black and white, uh, with the you know earlier sixties. Uh, stories, some are missing, and they're black mm-hmm. and white, so I'm assuming they take up less room on a on a disc, so I suppose you could squash them into years. Mm-hmm. Well, the other the other thing that I'm I'm kind of against, I know, I, I know why they're doing it, but I'm still against it, <laughs> uh, is the uh, the package design includes the, you know, pretty good new logo that we're working with. Um, right. It should, of course, include, the, it should have the Season 12 logo, is what it should mm-hmm. have on it. Because when you line up the spines on the shelf, you're going to want to see the want to see all the logos. So, mm-hmm. um, including you know the crap neon logo, um, and also the <laughs> even worse, the Sylvester deathly, McCoy, the, the much hated Sylvester McCoy logo. <laughs> those, those are the logos, and you must see those. And they're not going to release all these all these Blu-rays in one go. You know the right. logo is going to be changing again because it always does. Mm-hmm. I can see a lot of people in my position getting very upset my my thinking is the bbc is going to gauge how well the sales are for this classic hinchcliffe era the first uh, first season of uh hinchcliffe when he came in under the ark in space and see how it well it sells and then probably take it decide if they're going to continue on with it or not I mean, it is instructive that they've started out with the most popular, in inverted commas, season on both sides of the Atlantic. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, obviously mostly looking at the American side of the Atlantic because, you know, that's where the money is. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, good luck Mm -hmm. to them. I mean, the BBC needs the money. Um, (laughs) You know, they they should be selling as much Doctor Who as possible and as many people as possible should be buying Doctor Who. Um, I still haven't even managed to get my Sharda dvd yet yeah um, yeah so anyway but you know and, and we should we, we should be supporting i'm glad that you bought them i will not be buying them for a little mm-hmm. while yet well like i said i'm i'm hopeful hopeful that the range will come out and i've kind of made a promise to my lovely wife that i would only uh-huh. be buying through the tom baker years so probably hartnell through uh 1980 Oh, and, interesting. Uh, and ending on season 18. Oh. Is that is that a promise you know you can keep? Yeah, uh, <laughs> probably. <laughs> well, if she if she is as lovely as she is, which of course she is, and, and, and you go down on bended knee and plead <laughs> that you do need some McCoy years, then I'm sure she'd say yes. So, yeah, um, no, I just... I yeah. Think, yeah, I know, mm, yeah. I, I'm, I yeah. mean, it, I'm... This is a triple dip as it is, and it's yeah, hard, it hard pressed. And the and honestly, the only reason I would be going into the Hartnell years at all is since I am buying them in Region B in the UK. Right. I will buy. I, I will be hopefully be getting the complete chase. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I you know it was it was it, yeah it's been difficult 
it was difficult to buy some of the videos, some of the VHS um, editions, and it was been very, it was very difficult to finally buy some of the some of the DVDs. Um, mm -hmm. Some some of my DVDs are signed though, so I'm hoping there might be some kind of investment when everyone's dead, um, <laughs> uh, and then maybe I can sell them all and then buy the. Uh, and then by the Blu-ray. Who knows? Anyway, mm -hmm. that, this I, this has just been a scintillating ten minutes of conversation. I have to say, <laughs> poor, uh, poor well, the, listener. Poor this listener. is why our one and only listener does tune in to. Because <laughs> their finger, their finger firmly planted on the fast-forward button. Um, if there is Two. such a thing. <laughs> yeah, that that fifteen-minute skip on the podcast listening exactly. thing on the iPhone. This is this is solid gold. This is solid gold. What was I listening to on the radio today? Some awful NPR National Public Radio quiz show. And it was last night. It was like there were huge sections of just kind of nothing happening. <laughs> it was like, oh, my God, this is just our podcast is so much better than this show that's on the national radio. So anyway, um, let us press on. Um, I am keen to start with our cliffhangers. Who goes who goes first? Well, what wh would you like? I guess I I will go first. OK, there you go. <laughs> All right. Ben, why don't you go first? <laughs> I I will go first. So um, I have, I have, again. Oh, so we, we lay down the rules. If we, uh, uh, well, I uh, uh, you lay down your rules, and then I'll 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 lay down my rules. What are your mm -hmm. rules? Uh, my rules are if we uh, happen to choose the same one, one of us will say snap, and then we will talk about them together. Yep. And uh, that's pretty much it. Anything goes from the time when Patrick Troughton was the doctor. My rules are that I will not pick, and I, these are different from your rules, I will not pick a cliffhanger that I have not seen with moving pictures. Um, I'm not doing, not doing soundtracks. Um, mm -hmm. And also, I'll just preface again, as I think I prefaced last time, these, these cliffhangers are very different from cliffhangers that I saw in real time. Um, so I'm kind of picking them, you know, as they were important to me as I saw them at the age that I saw them, which, of course, for all Troutons was, you know, in my uh, early 20s to late 40s. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it, it, it alters the way you kind of think about cliffhangers, basically. So are you uh, taking a paperback, target paperback perspective on cliffhangers, perhaps? I'm, some of them I am, yes. Some of them I am, some of them I'm not. Um, my first cliffhanger is Power of the Daleks. It has been reanimated, so it does count. <laughs> and it's in the end of episode five, Ooh, when okay. off goes the Dalek army. Mm -hmm. And they're very well animated. And I think we've had this conversation about that reanimation. Brilliant animation um, of the, the Daleks. Because the Daleks are basically done fully by computer. They look absolutely 100% fabulous. Mm -hmm. um, and they're Daleks conquer and destroy. Mm -hmm. They have a new catchphrase. It is an awesome catchphrase. I love the Daleks catchphrases. Um, Exterminate, of course, is the original and best. Conquer and Destroy is another absolute classic because yes. they're just, you know, it's mm -hmm. their mission statement, basically. <laughs> they, have a, they have a vision statement. Uh, and I know this because I'm the director of a, of, a, of a non-profit. You need a vision statement. Um, you need a mission statement. Um, you also need a set of values as well. Mm -hmm. The Daleks' vision statement is exterminate. <laughs> but their mission statement is conquer, is conquer and destroy. Um, yeah. Because they aspire to exterminate everything. How are they going to exterminate, exterminate everything? By conquering <laughs> and destroying. 
Uh, so they have it all tied up there for a very oh, good marketing a, plan. Oh, absolutely. They're just full on. Um, I'll have to think a little, little bit more to come up with the, with, with the Daleks' five values, uh, <laughs> which may just be Daleks are the best, and then another word. Uh, um, but anyway, it's, it's just great. I, I, you know, the, the, the Daleks look wonderful. I, you know, I, I really was very excited with this, with this reanimation. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this animation, The Power of the Daleks, um, right. it really kind of worked for me very well. It is a great, you know, it is one of the very first base under sieges, except the base is under siege from, from within. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, here the, it's a Dalek production line. And, you know, yeah. we, we, we hear about Dalek production lines uh, pretty regularly going forward. It always, you know, it was reminding me of Genesis, Genesis of the Daleks and the Dalek production line there, which we never actually see. Um, and the Daleks, you know, here they are. They're chanting. They chant. They're chanting what they do. Uh, they will conquer and they will destroy. And mm-hmm. I just, and yes, you know, I love the Daleks. It's a very effective, very effective, effective ending. They a little bit before they start going to their Dalek conquer and destroy mantra or their chant. They're also chanting exterminate all humans. Yep. And they build up, and we have a. I think this is the scene where uh, Governor Henslow's body is discovered. We have interchanging between that and uh, Bragan is seizing power, setting the colony under martial law. Yeah. The doctor saying this this will not this is not what we need right now, and and it really amps up the tension. It's a really really good cliffhanger. Yeah, and it is you know it is very reminiscent, as I'm sure was almost deliberate, you know, of Genesis of the Daleks. We have. Daleks moving through corridors, exterminating mm-hmm. everybody. And, mm-hmm. and actually, you know, that is actually the best Dalek... Exter- I mean, that is what Daleks were kind of built to do, is like right. roll through corridors, killing people. Right. Um, you know, like the Terminator in <laughs> The Terminator. That's just what they do, and yep. they're saying what they do, and they're just getting on with it, and mm-hmm. that makes it a great cliffhanger. Yep. And just the frenzy, the frenzy of the Dalek voices and just echoing off each other. and Kill crazy Daleks, it, yeah. Yeah, it's it's... It's good. It's a very good cliffhanger. Excellent. Um, so, your first trout hanger. <laughs> I'm going to call them trout hangers. I am going to go. I am going to go again from the power of the Dalek, but nice. I'm going to go for the end of episode two. Ooh, and this I is when observed. when uh, Quinn is having having his hearing in uh, the governor's office. Bregan has accused him of attacking the engineer and uh, sabotaging the colony's communications. Also of attacking uh, the examiner, who the doctor is pretending to be. And then Lesterson bursts bursts into uh, the governor's office and says, you know, I, I've just completed an experiment that will revolutionize the entire colony. The doctor immediately grocks what's going on and goes, Lesterson, what have you done? What have you done? And Lesterson has J- Janeway, his assistant, wheel in or have the escort in the Dalek. And then he, Lester thing gives him voice commands. And then we end end with the Dalek going, I am your servant. And the, I am your servant. And the doctor is getting more and more horrified and scared by this. And I think that just, it just... The doctor ends with a warning, you know, saying Lesterson's saying this is this will solve all the colony's problems. And the doctor says, yes, by exterminating all the humans in the colony. That's what Daleks do best. And (laughs) we are in episode two. We have the Daleks. We have the threat. The Dalek recognizes the doctor. Excellent, excellent cliffhanger. If there was any doubt in any of the viewers at the time, whether this this was the doctor doctor or not, the Dalek knows who the doctor is. It's it's also a brilliant kind of difference 
between uh, William Hartnell's doctor and Patrick Troughton's doctor. Um, William William Hartnell's doctor really never gets that that to that level of emotion about uh, about a threat. Um, but the kind of you know almost kind of panic-stricken note that Patrick Troughton brings to the doctors, uh, you know, I mean, we've never really seen the doctor frightened before, or not frightened, but you know, so uh, in, uh, insistent that something should happen. And of course, you know, we know he's right because we know that the Daleks conquer and destroy. It's it's a really great scene, really great scene. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Uh, thank you. And uh, yeah, what is your number two? So my number two trout hanger <laughs> is the absolutely very lauded Underwater Menace episode three. Uh-huh. Nothing in the world can stop me now. Yeah, Which, so if, Professor Zaroff. <laughs> Professor Zaroff. You know, here he, I mean, I, I, I am very upset that we are not seeing an, an animation of what we have missing from the Underwater Menace. Mm-hmm. I really like the Underwater Menace a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the fish people are fantastic. I yep. think Atlantis is fantastic. Um, I love Ben. I love Polly. I love the Doctor. I love his dressing up. Uh, I love pretty much most things about the Underwater Menace. Um, mm-hmm. I also love Professor Zaroff. Uh, I was just watching, um, just the other day, Diamonds Are Forever, um, where he plays another German professor, a good one this time, rather uh-huh. than an evil one, but pretty much in exactly the same way, because um, I think that's just what he does. And um, <laughs> Professor Zaroff's great. And mm-hmm. I think the, uh, obviously, you know, with, with, with the recovery of... Um, what did we recover? It was episode two. two. Yeah. That was it. Where we get the Doctor doing some proper acting uh, mm-hmm. next door to Anton first. And we Joseph see, first. Jo- I beg, I'm begging his pardon. Um, Joseph first. And we get to see, you know, exactly. The Doctor also thinks he's a loony. Um, <laughs> he does that great motion with his head. He, he says, knock, knock, and no one's there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a slightly jokey one, though there is some definite horror in here. You know, I, I'm reading on my cliffhanger crib sheet here, episode <laughs> one. Polly is about to be injected to become a fish person. Uh, that, sounds ho- <laughs> that sounds horrible. Oh, snap, is that yours? Yeah, that is my oh, number cool. two. So awesome. why don't we just go right into that? Yeah, okay, right. So, so it's so. a little bit of a, a cheat for for your rules, it, but the footage is censored out of Polly. It um, is. Um, so it's in the Lost in Time DVD with a little bit, and then we have with the recovery of episode two, we get a little bit more of that scene. So you can kind of visualize that scene, and Annika Wills just really sells it with the with Damon, who sends Ben and Jamie down to the mines, and then he opens up the window and shows Polly the underwater gardens, and Polly thinks they're fantastic. And then uh, she goes, "Who are those people?" And uh, the the Damon goes, "Oh, you mean the fish." the fish people those are our farmers and polly thinks it's splendid and then she goes how how does it work and then damon says oh we give them plastic gills and she says oh that's so fascinating and then damon so oh i'm, I'm glad you feel that way because most people don't react to that way and then annika wills as polly goes you're not turning me into a fish and then you get this horror and we have a young woman who's in a very vulnerable situation. She is cornered by these um, medical orderies. Um, We don't see her being switched into a surgical gown, but then we see her very forcibly thrust upon a medical gurney, and then the episode ends with one tiny jab and you'll know no more until it's all over. And that is, that's horror. That is really creepy 
horrific ending to to for for an episode especially an epi- first episode absolutely and you know the thing about i mean the fish people look jolly you know they float around and they you know they're fish people right fish people and they you know the the, the costumes are they're a mixture of kind of jolly kind of dress up like a fish mm-hmm. costumes with kind of blank eyed clowns as well. And they're just a right. strange mixture of something that's kind of amusing and silly and mm-hmm. kind of super creepy and not silly at all. And the way that 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 cliffhanger toggles between being, oh, this is kind of okay to, ah, this is actually not okay at all. Right. It's really very disconcerting. Mm-hmm. And I would say, I mean, similarly, really, with my cliffhanger, um, which is, you know, in some ways I like it because it's based on kind of, you know, it's a cliffhanger that fandom has kind of, you know, taken the piss out of, for, you know, <laughs> 40, 50 years now. Right. But still, it kind, of, it, it kind of has this uneasy toggle between something that's absolutely ridiculous and something that's absolutely terrifying yeah it kind of catches you off guard when Azaroff shoots down what is it the king i and, think so yeah and exactly and yeah, yeah exactly yeah 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 and he's you know and he's ready to go and and well we already know that he's nuts because mm-hmm. uh, the doctor has basically told us that he's right. nuts um so again like a lot of doctor who villains his plan does not have to make sense because he is not really sane. And this idea, you know, that Doctor Who villains have sign of sensible plans often kind of implies that they're, you know, that they're playing on a full deck. Um, right. Zaroff is not playing on a full <laughs> deck. His plan is crazy because he is crazy. Right. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's a really, it's a, it's a great moment. And it's a mm-hmm. good cliffhanger. What, what is going to happen? We do not know. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. So your number three. Uh, my number three is, we're now whizzing into season five. Okay. And we are slap bang bumping into a classic, which is, of course, Tomb of the Cybermen. Hooray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, cliffhanger, episode one, shot in the back by Cybermen. Um, and this, of course, is a famous cliffhanger because it appears that a Cyberman has come to life and is shooting people. The cliffhanger is resolved in episode two. Mm-hmm. We discover it's just a really kind of obvious model of a Cyberman instead. Or like an empty cyber suit, um, as I recall. So it's it's a, a again it's 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 one I was kind of watching out for when I first saw Tomb of the Cybermen because I you know I'd read about it as a as a fan, right? And you know I think I think it was one of those uh, instances where the thing that everyone was looking forward to in terms of re seeing a recovered episode because all we had to know about these uh, lost episodes was the analysis or the emotional reaction of people who were basically kids at the time when they saw it and they told us about how great these were and you know, in many ways obviously Tomb of the Cybermen is absolutely amazing and mm-hmm. the children who remembered that were right in their retelling but this is an instance where actually you know the memory cheats and um, because there is a, a bifurcation between one week and the next week and, and of course in the 60s you would you, you, you it was a full week between each episode and you would never see that episode ever again um, I think it's just an interesting instance of the production crew kind of making a cliffhanger and then kind of immediately resolving it in a way that was not really kind of relational to right. the way the cliffhanger was set right. up Right, it's a very Moffat-esque in that way I would, I would guess <laughs> it is oh it is that's true you're right mm-hmm. funny yep yep now yep. did you get the VHS when it came out in 91 no, I didn't, because uh, it was too expensive, really. Okay. Um, uh, so I when act- did you I, first see it? I can't remember when I first saw, saw Tomb of the Cybermen. I think 
It came out in 91. I think I probably saw it in 93 mm. because I discovered that there was an amazing video store just down the road from the flat that I was renting in Leeds. Mm -hmm. And it was, a, I'm sure they're, they're not there anymore, but it was an Indian couple um, who basically had taken the kind of you know corner shop attitude to video stores and they just bought all the videos they could get their hands on including every doctor who um vhs <laughs> um uh -huh. so i was like great okay well i will watch the tomb of the cybermen so i think i was pretty i'm pretty sure it was 93 uh -huh. yeah so, so it was a couple of years after, after it came out so a rental interesting it was a rental yeah it was a rental yeah mm -hmm. yeah 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 which and again you know it was it was vhs was is pretty fuzzy stuff in those days and, yeah. and those uh it was great to see it, um, but the DVD, again, Ooh, even yeah. better. And I guess, you know, on soon, soon to be seen on Blu-ray. So. Yeah, there, there really is no, no restoration at all on the VHS. Oh. It's, it's, um, they just dumped it, it onto the tape. And they uh, cropped the image a little bit, too. So you're not even getting the full, full picture in the VHS. So it's kind of uh, uh, zoomed in and cropped a bit. So it... It, it certainly was better than the soundtrack. I think we had the soundtrack that was uh, narrated at the time by, uh, I want to say, John Pertwee. Oh, did you have the soundtrack? I had access to it, I think, I, but I'm not sure. I, you know, my, my memory is a little bit fuzzy. Right. Was, what, what, almost 30 years ago? It so. was, yeah. It was a while ago now. So um, I, I did buy it on VHS through uh, my pbs store or from a local pbs store that we had huh. in the twin cities okay and it was expensive but that was uh, i i had uh that and shada were the two vhs's that i bought early on okay because i i knew nothing about shada and sort of like oh uh, <laughs> a, a missing tom baker sign me up and absolutely patrick troughton you know a good Patrick Troughton story because honestly where we had really super long Patrick Troughton story in the war game and then we had some pretty shonky ones yeah not you know the dominators the crotons were not were not the highlights of uh, Patrick Troughton so and to see to, to see the Cybermen that was excellent yes and you know the and the Brotherhood of Logicians in action and all the great things that is that makes Doom of the Cybermen such mm -hmm. a fun and yep. great episodes. Which so, is yeah. why I chose a cliffhanger from the tomb for my third one as well. Nice one. I went for the end of episode two. Ah. And this is, this is where Eric Klieg has activated the tomb's controls and the Cybermen awake. And uh, Professor Perry is just flabbergasted and tells, you know, says, basically calls out Klieg saying, this is why you funded my expedition. These are the actions of a lunatic. And... Uh, Klee goes lunatic no or something like that and he just says you know <laughs> it is it is it is all logical and then we because he's we, also crazy this is oh, this is again yeah, you know it's yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the, the plan doesn't have to make sense because mm -hmm. he's nuts mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah george pastel does a really good just it, it's it's not the same kind of over-the-top bonkers that a first does with zaroff but it, it's 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 the craziness of being firm in your convictions and your convictions are completely and utterly wrong and not only <laughs> are they wrong they're dangerously wrong <laughs> absolutely absolutely yes yeah both portrayals are that of zealots and uh, the zealot zealotry of eric klieg is that of logic and thinking that he needs the cybermen for the power and that his his so-called great logical mind will be able to, to control the cybermen 
and we find out very quickly that uh, <laughs> Klieg is mistaken. So we get we get a long montage of the tombs thawing and the uh, Cybermen trying to break out of their uh, cellophane, and yep. then they climb down the ladders and they form up, and then they open up the door for uh, Michael Kilgariff, and he kind of lumbers out and. They salute, and then uh, Klieg goes up to him and says, I am Klieg. I have brought you back to life. We logicians have planned this. Now you will help this. And the cyber leader is just quiet and just <laughs> doesn't say anything. Yep. And then um, yep. Klieg goes, are you listening? And raises up his hand, and then the cyber leader captures it. And it's being filmed from the side. So we have Klieg holding up his hand and then the cyber leader grabbing it and then forcing him down. And Klieg's crying out in pain. And then we get a full front view of the cyber cyber leader still kind of covered in frost. And in the speechy the, the, the voice with the, you belong to us. You will be like us. You will be like us. You yeah. shall be like us. And it's... It, that is creepy because, you know, we know that the doctor, Jamie, and the others in the expedition are trapped in there because Captain has sealed them in. And, you know, just previously we saw her menacing Victoria. And then to, to know what, what, what our heroes are trapped in the tomb with the Pharaoh's curse or with the Cybermen, yeah. that they are in peril. And that's, I just think, a really, really great cliffhanger of it is story. because it, because i mean we know we know what the doctor and his companion knows that you know that there's you cannot control the cybermen the cybermen will not be bidden unto any any human need mm-hmm. they are just out for themselves um and what they're out for is to turn you into them and right. that's what they do mm-hmm. and you know the monsters have this you know monsters have this imperative you know the cybermen's mission statement is you belong to us you shall be like us mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's 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 good. It's really creepy as well because again, you know, Klieg and Kaftan have this. You know, they they're, they're the brotherhood of logicians. They've already taken over the expedition. Right. Um, in some ways, well, they're they're the kind of the instigators of the, of the expedition. You know, they're 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 very kind of controlling and in charge and right. and calm. They're like Bond. You know, they're, they're kind of Bond villain esque. <laughs> you know, they have this plan that they've set in motion. Right. And then all of a sudden, like everything goes to everything goes to pot because mm-hmm. they've set a plan in motion. They work up an ancient evil that really doesn't care about their plan right. um, and has its ha, have their own plan basically so mm-hmm. excellent yeah, excellent yep, stuff yep so your number four my number four is another uh, kind of you know post factum cliffhanger and I am whizzing forward in time to episode one of the mind snap Robert. snap <laughs> okay we're in space we're, no we're not even in space What's going on? Right. Oh my God! Yes, it's like it's it's a it's the crazy extra episode mm-hmm. which they had to do in order to basically make up the numbers and basically kind of march in time. Right. Um. For for twenty five <laughs> minutes. Uh, it's twenty great. minutes. It's very short. Twenty twenty minutes. Yeah, twenty minutes. Of course. Um. And just kind of do some things with some old costumes, with some old robot costumes <laughs> they found lying around in the costume warehouse. Paint them white. Paint and white. Oh, it's the white robots. Yes, there they go. And um, who did you see that thing in? Um, oh, it was one of those Doctor Who magazine specials where they did an article on the original show that the, 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 the robot costumes had been created for. 
and it was it was some I mean I'm going to forget I could forget the whole thing now but it was an Isaac Asimov adaptation and um, the robots had to kneel because they were kind of religious robots mm-hmm. which is why they've got bendy knees oh, okay. um, uh, because they that that's that's why they do it. anyway nothing to do with the white robots it's the spinning in darkness thing and that mm-hmm. is really really good well spinning in darkness and that is right after the TARDIS disintegrates it, 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 it splits yeah. it splits into pieces the doctor flies off and we see we see jamie and zoe and we see a lot of zoe on that console we spinning do. spinning around and then zoe screams there's the doctor and then they the console just kind of plunges slowly into this smoky mist of darkness and what you know you have no idea especially with the setup that derek sherwin wrote off the cuff for the mind mind robber what is going on with this and it's you you do not know what to expect no i mean i mean the only clue that you have is that you know we have no episode titles this at this point obviously we know it's called the mind robber right oh we've not seen a mind robber for the whole for the entire first episode um we don't even know what a mind robber is what is a mind robber it's a (laughs) it's a phrase that's never been used before in the history of the world Who robs minds? Right. A mind robber. Um, it's great. It's 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 a really nice. I mean, you know, for relatively logical reasons, doesn't do enough kind of like we're from the sixties um, <laughs> stuff. But certainly these kind of later trouts, there are elements of the late nineteen sixties that kind of mm-hmm. break into later Troughton in a really kind of excellent and amusing way and I think this is you know this is a a kind of a a proper quasi psychedelic episode this is definitely the 60s right here (laughs) absolutely yeah we've got cat suits we've got mystery we've got people flying around we've got people screaming randomly for no really apparent reason we've got it's I mean it's like the prisoner or something Mm -hmm. it's like what the hell it's yep. trippy. It's playing with perceptions. It's yep. pu- pu- the different characters see different things. They have different responses to it. It's a really out there episode. And then just to have it end. And I don't, I, I don't believe we've seen the TARDIS disintegrate before. No, this no. is the safe. This is the safe place, and it blows up. It it disintegrates. I mean, I think it's what again. I mean, thinking about this idea of you know lost episodes, which I guess the mind ro- the, the mind robber wasn't, but having episodes that are described by kids mm-hmm. uh, who remember them, and, you know, as the only people who remember them. I mean, I think this is this is this is something that obviously made a huge impression on kind of kids at the time, and it still is mm-hmm. a really really strong episode. And that actually, I mean, all of the mind robber, I think, is is actually it's a very strong series. It's a very strong story, which like so many strong stories is just kind of let down by the reveal at the end which is like it's all a it's all a thing by Mm -hmm. someone doing a thing um but you know which i think is always the problem with these kind of trippy ones it's like well you kind of up the ante of the trippiness until you really can't you can't sustain it yeah there's no way to go other than to say it's all some kind of weird trick so Mm -hmm. um yeah but it's great yeah Mm -hmm. that's a it's 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 a great one Mm -hmm. well so we had we we had a we had a couple of a couple of doubles there yeah yeah I'm wondering, I, now, when I first saw this, I was probably in my teens, and I saw this on uh, my local PBS station in Twin oh, Cities, really? Minnesota. Really? Yeah. Oh, and interesting. And it did not interest me at all in the story. I thought the story was pretty boring. We saw it in omnibus format, so there was no cliffhanger that we had to wait very long to see. You know, we, we end, of, end of episode one, we go right into episode two, and it just didn't mesh with me and it wasn't until really the 
released on DVD when I did a reappraisal on this, even, you know, because even after seeing it on VHS, I just didn't like it. I think it was, I think it's a, a more of a mature story that appealed to me as an adult than as a as a young young person or a teenager interesting because i mean because what's, what's interesting about that of course is that you know i think if you were asked to ask the you know director and writer of the mind robber at the time you know they were producing a show that was kind of almost more attuned to the younger viewer because mm-hmm. they were they, these are characters from children's literature but are, which of course but that, at the time they? Well, they, I mean, they were... They're, I mean, they're like of the children's literature of, of the parents of, or... Of, of the 1930s, yes, yeah. which, I, which I think, and we, we, I think this is a theme that we've, that we've had on a number of these podcasts, is that the writers of this, of, of all of Doctor Who, write about their understandings of culture mm-hmm. or, you know, their lives yeah. of the kind of 1930s and 1940s, <laughs> which in some ways very often maybe don't fully align with... Uh, perhaps not even the the children of the 1960s, but certainly not the kids of the kind of 1980s or 1990s. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, what what child nowadays has heard of, of Gulliver's Travels? Mm, very few. Very few, I would have thought. Yeah. yeah which is sad. Uh, well. The world is going. The world. It's, it's not as good as it used to be. Well, <laughs> get off my lawn. <laughs> That's true. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna insert since uh, I I thought we might have a snap. I have a bonus one here. I'm gonna, okay. Since that was my that that was my fourth one, I'm gonna I have a backup one. I'm gonna put in the Web of Fear, part uh. four, the cliffhanger after the the aftermath of the Battle of Covent Garden, and we uh. just saw Colonel Lethbridge Stewart lead his troops into Covent Garden and just get massacred by the Yeti. He somehow managed to escape, and he returns to Good Street, the fortress under Good Street Station. And meanwhile, the doctor is dismantling one of the little Yeti car miniatures, saying, well, this won't bother us anymore. Lethbridge Stewart burst in, and he goes, gone. They're all gone. And, you know, Victoria goes, all of them? Or the doctor goes, all of them? And Lethbridge Stewart snaps, yes, that's what I said, all gone. And then we start hearing the beeping of the Yeti again, that beep, 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 beep. And they're talking, and and then the doctor stops them and says, wait, wait, what's that beeping noise? And they find out that Lethbridge Stewart has one of these uh, Yeti uh, carvings in and the doctor grabs it and is about to chuck it outside the the, the laboratory, the, the workroom that he's been, been operating in. And just at that moment, two Yeti burst through the door, followed by Professor Travers under mind control. And there's a lot of good cliffhangers in yeah, the the uh, uh, web of fear, but that one is just a real stonker. That is that really captures. Um, th- there's suspicion about who is um, working for the great yep. intelligence. Great misdirection to Lethbridge Stewart, yep. and then we get Travers bursting in with Yeti, capturing them, and that sets the whole that sets the end game of the fifth and sixth episode in pl- into play. Yeah, it's 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 brilliant. I mean, it's such a claustrophobic story, uh, and it, and it's it's so exciting actually to have the the kind of claustrophobic kind of breaks out with that battle in Covent Garden, right? Because um, you know we've been playing around in tunnels, we've been in tiny little rooms. It's very very enclosed, and then you know with the with with the battle, that's that's you know it's a, obviously a very deliberate, very kind of very open open scene. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but you know the 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 British army forces get absolutely creamed by the Yeti. 
Um, I'm just going to repeat what you said. But, you know, <laughs> um, well, it's brilliant. And, <laughs> and the only person who escapes is Lethbridge Stewart. And we're still really suspicious about Le- mm-hmm. Lethbridge Stewart. We don't know. He, the reason why he escaped is poss- quite possibly that he is... He is the double agent, who's, right. you know, who's working with the great intelligence. Mm-hmm. And certainly, you know, he has one of these, he has one of these beeping yetis in his pocket. That doesn't look good. Um, right. And then all of a sudden, bam, here come the yetis. And it's, right. it's Travers. It's, you know, it's great. Yeah. 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 It's, um, I guess when we, we, we had it returned in what, uh, 2013. Yeah. And it kind of paled because the, the general consensus or the fan consensus that the enemy of the world was boring and whatever. And so the enemy of the world just skyrocketed in appraisal. And yep. unlike with the tomb, which I think had a little bit of erosion of, uh, like you said, the memory cheats or people mem- remembered it to be a greater epic than it was. Right. The Web of Fear, I think, stood up. And it still stands up as a really, really solid Doctor Who story from the middle of Troughton's tenure yep. and the pacing, the direction and uh, this is a Camfield, Douglas Camfield directed piece and the way he sets up and builds up that claustrophobia that you mentioned is yeah. really played upon and the this is, a, this is a story about the suspicions who is working with the great intelligence or who is under control of the great in- intelligence and we're four episodes in out of a six-parter, and we still don't know. We still don't know. And I, I, I know I've, I've, I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. This is one Doctor Who episode where I wish I could have some kind of mind wipe because I would love to be able to watch this and not know that the Brigadier, well, that Colonel Lethbridge-Stewart mm-hmm. is obviously not going to be... <laughs> he's a good uh, guy. <laughs> he's, he's one of the... He's not going to be working the Great Intelligence because it's the Brigadier. For right. Really, for my sake, he's like... It's the brigadier. It's the, the the doctor's best friend, or right. will be. Um, I'd love to. I love to be able to watch this in the sixties and right. not. And because you know, actually, the character's played pretty shiftily. Yeah, um, Nick Courtney does a great job. He's not. He doesn't. He's he's not all kind of like. Ooh, is this Chroma? Mm-hmm. You know, he's 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 it's, it's he's a pretty shifty character. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got this ridiculous false mustache. And, <laughs> and he's suspicious of the doctor, too. And the, Exactly. Know. Yeah, it's it's a really paranoid, you know, mm-hmm. it's like um, it's like John Carpenter's The Thing. You know, yeah. they're, all, they're all trapped mm-hmm. by, and we, they don't know which one of them is The Thing. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very solid, solid serial. And this is, an, I think, an excellent, excellent cliffhanger. Yeah, and this, I mean, you know, again, the, the absolute excellence of both The Web of Fear and um, Enemy of the World as recovered really just makes me want more 60s trout to be found. Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. it's probably not going to happen. But, you know, even a, you know, a six-parter that everybody thought, every, including the, you know, the kids who were reporting back from the 60s, right. um, had thought, he said, Enemy of the World, it was, it's okay, it's really mm-hmm. not that good. Because he doesn't have any monsters in it, I guess. But you know, Enemy of the World is amazing, right. um, and so is Web of Fear. It's, right. it's, it's it's TV that you could put on tele. Oh, well, you probably couldn't, but if you put it on television right now, I would sit down and watch it and really, mm-hmm. really enjoy it. So yep. anyway, yep. yeah, there you go. It's very good. So very good. your your final, your number my five. My final, my final is another kind of fan classic, I'm afraid. Which is Invasion Episode Six. Ooh. Here come the Cybermen yep. out of the sewers, bursting Ooh. out. Bursting with the manhole covers, flying off, or sort of flying off a little bit, walking down the steps, doing their Cybermen thing. It's just, you know, uh, it's, it's Doug, Douglas Camfield again. Uh, I guess the Brigadier is, ba- is back, yep. and he's still, he's still a colonel. Nope, um, he's, he's the Brigadier now. 
Oh, is he brigadier by yep, then? Yep, okay, yep. he's been promoted to brigadier. Yeah, that's it. No, he lives in a he lives in a in a in a C one thirty Hercules transport <laughs> aircraft. Apparently, um, that's his home. Um, he has Sergeant Benton. I don't know. Here come the Cybermen. Um, the Cybermen are. This is how I because I first saw the Cybermen in um, uh, Revenge of the Cybermen. So the more kind of shiny, kind of finished looking Cybermen are more kind of cybermeny to me in right. my in my kind of analysis of what a cyberman should and shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. So these are these are actual cybermen to me. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's not only a piece of Doctor Who history, it's now a piece of British cultural history. It's um, iconic now with the going yeah. down the St. Paul's Cathedral just, steps and and, and 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 the thing is what's 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 always interesting to me is you, they stroll down those steps you know, like Hitler or something. I mean, they they, they don't kind of stomp. They own it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they they don't stomp like like um, RTD Cybermen would do. They they kind of amble down those steps like Nazis in Paris or something. Um, they're you know they're they're just the super confident conquerors of this city, and that's right. what kind of makes them. You know, they're not they're not kind of stamping and being monstery. They're just like okay, we're the Cybermen. Climb mm-hmm. out the sewers, walk down the steps, deal with it. We're now in charge of your city. Right. They haven't been directed to be scary and monstery. The actors inside those, you know, uh, wetsuits sprayed silver are kind of just walking like super competent human beings. And that's kind of what Cybermen are, is, you know, they are human beings only made insanely confident by being virtually indestructible and full of logic. Yeah. So that's why I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's again. This is probably one you read first. Yeah, it's one I read, and I, of course I'd seen the pictures, so it was super exciting when I actually super. That makes me sound. Anyway, I saw it when I was in my twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was twenty eight years old, uh, and it was super exciting just to see that still image animated, mm-hmm. i.e., those Cybermen moving right um, down the steps mm-hmm. out of the sewers, rather than just being a black and white photograph in mm-hmm. my Target Doctor Who book of monsters. One one of the nice things about the invasion of Cybermen or the the, the invasion, invasion. Yep. is we kind of see what happens before when Cybermen's uh, a, a deranged Cyberman gets loose. So we have a taste of what's going to be coming, and then we get then at the end of this episode we get that that really uh, horrible ringing or that warning klaxon sound, and then. Like you said, we see the Cybermen emerge, and that the, the, the sound of it is is pretty horrific. And then the camera angles that Camfield has of the marching of the Cyber Boots just of of the curb, very low level, is yeah. very very reminiscent of what you would see of the Third Reich stomping through France yep. or stomping yep. through Paris. Yep, yep, yep. It's Nazis again. Yep. Um, you know, which obviously still. I mean, I mean, it's great. It's you know the. Yeah, it's 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 obviously in the '60s. You know that was something that people were still kind of remembering as a as a thing, and um, as well as I mean, one of the things I always always love about the invasion is how you know it's also you know it's like it's like blow up. You know, Isabel is a is a it's a trendy London photographer, and you right. get this kind of um, insertion of the 1960s into Doctor Who in a very satisfying. It's a very it's a it's invasion is again incredibly satisfying. Mm-hmm. Uh, six, seven, um, uh, eight. eight episodes, of course, mm-hmm. of doesn't really just doesn't really ever not 
be engaging um you know it's it's obviously the animation when you watch it nowadays does take you a little bit out of out of the action but you know it doesn't let up um it's it's just you know Mm -hmm. it's just great 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 Mm -hmm. exciting television wonderfully acted Mm -hmm. wonderfully directed and just makes one weep with the 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 number of Troughton episodes that are still currently missing from the archives but this is this is not one of them and it is definitely worth a watch definitely worth a watch what is your final cliffhanger? My final cliffhanger is from the final story of Patrick Troughton, The I War Games. Snap! <laughs> I was going to have that as my extra one. Uh-huh. So what one are you thinking of? Uh, the, the Hang on, the cliffhanger at the end of episode 10? No, I'm thinking oh. of the cliffhanger at the end of episode 1, The Firing oh. Squad. Okay, that is a great cliffhanger. <laughs> I, I take it back. That's an awesome cliffhanger. <laughs> All right, so let me let me set the scene. The, the doctor has been picked up in no man's land with his uh, companions, Jamie and Zoe, and they are seen making a break for the enemy no man's land or the German lines, and so the Brits bring them be- to back to headquarters to face a court-martial and uh, General Smythe's kangaroo court convicts them and um the doctor is sentenced to be executed by firing squad and uh we see it's night and uh, uh zoe manages to free the doctor only to only to be uh <laughs> apprehended at the door by captain ransom and his men there is escorted outside the doctor is tied to the post with his back against the wall and Captain Ransom goes, squad, attention, present arms. We hear a shot ring out. The doctor wince, and we go to credits. And the doctor is definitely in peril. <laughs> and it's it's really, it's a good cliffhanger, I think. it's It really would capture, capture us, <laughs> capture viewers. It's a great cliffhanger. And again, you know, it's part of, of, of the general kind of cultural history of the of, of, of Britain where mm-hmm. you know in that in that kind of late 60s period you know World War one was really being kind of reassessed right. culturally as you know maybe not the kind of glorious uh, victory um, uh, that uh, you know previous generations might have thought that it was and mm-hmm. you know we were talking a lot more about World War one being the kind of horror show that it actually was I right. think and that you know ha- having people execute summar- summarily executed for cowardice, Etc. Etc. was probably a bad thing rather than a good thing, and this is Doctor Who kind of reflecting that 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 cultural conversation that was happening at that time. And who doesn't love a cliffhanger that's a firing squad? Um, you know, the Doctor <laughs> Who does firing squads again on several occasions because it knows that that makes just for excellent cliffhangerage, basically. Right. The direction that David Maloney does um, really does sell it. Now, a very bright. A young, a bright child would notice that the ransom did not give the ex the order to fire. So either some one of the soldiers fired early, or something else was going on. So it's not quite like the uh, uh, there's 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 ambiguity left there for the viewer. Is the doc is something else going on, or has the doctor truly been shot? So right, right. It's, I, it's really it really sells it, and the way it's staged in that farmyard, it does feel as if this is from a World War One type film of the period. It it does fit. It it does seem what 
at least a modern viewer, a, a 21st century viewer, uh, cinema history or television history of World War One would be. And I, I think it, it, it effectively carries it's timeless television. It, it's it's survived from the '69 now through to 2018, and it it holds up. It's very well directed. Yeah, and and, and weirdly, because you know um, we don't really see television anymore in black and white. Watching it again, it actually seems more like it was actually happening in World War One than it possibly would have would have, would have done at the time. Because mm. um, of course, modern day television is you know 100% in color. When we see any images of World War One that are moving, they're always in black and white, and it actually kind of really locates the story very, very firmly. In what is it, 1916, 1917? I can't remember. Are we given a a year mm. that I'm, I'm not in? It's it's not coming to mind if we are. No, because it it obviously isn't because. They're not really in World War One. They're on the they're on the um, uh, uh, the war the warlord planet. Right. It's really good. It's it's I, I, again war games. People say Ooh, it goes on too long. Doesn't go on nearly mm. long enough for me. I think it's ex. <laughs> I don't want it to end because I know at I the end I... we lose Troughton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's just great and it's it's su- it's super episodic. You know, every every episode is a is a, its own little drama, um, and the story unfolds in a really kind of careful way. I love the war games. War games is very, it's great, great TV. And it is, it's, yeah, and you, know, you don't want it to end because, mm-hmm. you know, we lose these wonderful people that we've, we've, we've grown to become, we've grown to really be affectionate towards, you know, Jamie, mm-hmm. Zoe, and, and the Doctor. It's a very pacey 10-part serial. It really, yeah. it's, it's Mac Hulk and Terrence Dix that keep it, keep it going along. And, it, yeah. and a lot of times we're treading water. We wind up right back where we start. But things happen in that 25 minutes that go on. And so it's, it's a lot of uh, capture, escape, capture, escape, capture, escape. But there's a little bit of progress with each episode. Yep. And yep. The, the first episode, the cliffhanger of episode one, sets up that expectation that this is, this is a treat. And you know, we're going to see at the, the resolution at the beginning of episode two that, that German snipers are attacking the farm and that allows Zoe to help the doctor escape. But to me, it seems almost movie-esque a lot yeah. of times, especially the yeah. stuff that's filmed outside. It's 1960s Doctor Who the movie, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Yeah, and I said those... The all the all the actually you know the the the, the exterior I think I've said this before the exterior the uh, outside uh, broadcast whatever is exterior filming in, in all of the sheep coat uh, sheep coat rubbish tip is where they were doing the no man's yeah movie. and they were using uh, as I recall they were using the sets that were left over from oh well, oh what a lovely war which was right. the David the Richard Attenborough. A musical World War One satire, which right. was all part of that reassessment of World War One in the nineteen mm-hmm. sixties. Um, but yeah, it's it's great. It's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes me actually want to go and watch it again right now. In fact, um, I'm not going to because I don't have <laughs> don't actually have the DVD. The four with me and a right half now. hours to. <laughs> yeah, I've got time. I've got time to watch it. Um, so great. your so your extra one, your extra one. Well, my extra one was going to be episode ten. Yeah. Um, which I think is I think is you know it's just amazing cliffhanger because mm-hmm. I think it's the first time. It's, it's an important cliffhanger for me because it's the transition from the third Doctor is my favourite Doctor, you know, as, as I have become a man. Mm-hmm. Troughton has grown in stature as a, as a Doctor. And it is, that, it is that movement from one Doctor to another that is just, you know, the greatest cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. And we have this revelation 
a doctor is a time, you know, there are warlords and there are also time lords. Right. The doctor is one of the time lords and the time lords fight against the warlords. But the doctor, you know, he, he rebelled against the time. This whole kind of like mm-hmm. blind, this is, what it, this is what all this has been about. It's absolutely kind of mind blowing and such, such audacity on behalf of the, of, the, of, the, of the people who are running the show at the time to kind of throw all this stuff at us. And, you know, Troughton, uh, again, allegedly at this point was kind of pretty browned off with the whole show and was right. kind of, you know, I, I, re- I really want to leave. That doesn't show in his performance at all. Um, you know, he is just... <laughs> Not as... during his little Time Lord TED talk that he does with the slides and <laughs> <laughs> all the it evil is, he's t- fought. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Time Lord TED talk, of course it is. Um, and it's great. It's, it's just, a, it's, and again, you know, um, I like it as a cliffhanger because it is like, wow, and now we are going, now John Pertwee arrives, which is something that I... Kind of keenly anticipate um, because I'm I'm a big I'm a big John Pertwee fan and it's we don't know it's John Pertwee that's another no, thing we don't. so that's an I, I think it's the only regeneration where we do not know who is the next Doctor we don't we yeah, don't so. and they don't um, I wonder why they didn't do that do 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 we know why uh, I this they is this is by then, surely, this is this is going from memory, but my, okay. if my, my, in my memory, may be really wonky on this. I'm not sure they knew at the time, or maybe they knew at the time that the show would be returning, but maybe when the script was written, they weren't sure the show would be returning. And mm. so it is kind of left ambiguous. The series is left in a way that maybe you could put it on the shelf for 20, 30 years and bring, ba- bring back. Right, you don't have a uh, doctor. Yeah, that would be that would be certainly interesting that you you could ju- conceivably, I mean certainly uh, there's a lot of baggage post series one, but you could jump from the end of season six to the start of series one. So you could go from Troughton to Eccleston. You could, you could. And, I, and of course, you know, when, when the show does come back to season seven, it's kind of a different show in it's some in, it, so. in many ways. You know, it's 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 now starting to really piss off Nigel Neal because it's basically <laughs> you know it's 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 Quatermass for kids. <laughs> so, uh, but which is of course what makes it awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this you know, it's it's you know who doesn't love Doctor Who? Basically, <laughs> what a great show this is! Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, episode ten is very bittersweet to me because yeah. we say goodbye to Jamie and Zoe, two very well liked companions. And what's really, really hard is they have they will have no memory of the Doctor beyond their first episode. Well, they get first, donnered like, in, yeah, in you know, in, in New Who parlance. You know, mm-hmm. they, they 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 will they do not know what what happened to them, and they right. cannot remember. Right. So right. all the great all the great friendships that they made, and all the crazy adventures that mm-hmm. they have, they will they they do not know those mm-hmm. adventures and can never can never know them again, uh, which is. Really sad. And the Time Lords basically uh, stick Jamie down in the middle of the Highland uprisings, or what, whatever. Which is which is not ideal in many ways. <laughs> well, no, uh, because the Highlanders didn't come very well. Didn't yeah. come out of that very well. He mm-hmm. probably got either executed mm-hmm. or, or shipped off to the uh, Caribbean to work as a slave mm-hmm. on a plantation. Yeah, where he died. Yeah, well, or, oh, well. or maybe he uh, is part of the Outlander. So. <laughs> or may, maybe he became part of Outlander. Exactly. Yeah. Who knows? So, uh, not not the best line for a, a doctor going out, but I do prefer it to uh, "Don't eat pears" that Capaldi got, which is uh, Trump yes. got. Uh, uh, you're making me all giddy. <laughs> and then you, oh my! No, giddy no, aunt. no, 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 no. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, and it's yeah, it's 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 certainly better. Yeah, it's better than the pears. It's better than carrot juice. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's I, it's it's troutney. It's troutney. Yeah. You know, yep. it's 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 very second doctory. Oh yep. my giddy aunt! Whoops, butterfingers. Yeah, excellent to the very very end. Yeah, to the very very end. Which, I love Patrick Trent. Yep. Which brings us to the end of our podcast here. It certainly does. It certainly does. Um, again, we've I, we've covered a very excellent hour's worth of Doctor Who chat. And um, I think it's time time to say farewell. Yep. And on that cliffhanger, <laughs> ah, falling away into space or something. Well, if you have been, thanks for listening. I've been David, and I've been Ben. And talk to you again soon. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>